0: This is David Suisa in the Jewish Journal Studios. This is a special election podcast on Tuesday, 3 o'clock L.A. time, 1 a.m. Israel time. We're on the phone with our political editor, Shmuel Rosner, who's going to give us the latest. Shmuel, how are you?
1: Good night from Tel Aviv. It's a a long night and uh, it's going to be longer. We only counted... uh, less than four percent of the actual vote uh, by now so this uh, will be a long process and what's your take so far how's it leaning look we, we, we had the three exit polls on the three main uh, TV channels and all exit polls show pretty much the same picture uh, blue and white cajola van the the main party of the opposition the party headed by uh, three generals uh, that uh, was aiming to unseat uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. This party is likely to be the largest party in the next uh, parliament, in the next Knesset. However, when you look at what's even more important in Israeli politics, and that's the path to forming a new coalition, uh, you barely see a clear path for blue and white you see a much clearer path for uh, Likud and uh, uh, Mr. Netanyahu. So at least at this uh, hour, uh, it seems as if Netanyahu was able to pull it off again and win a fifth victory in Israel's election.
0: Right, because if the way it works, I mean, you go to the president, Ruben Rivlin, and then he decides who he should ask for to put together a coalition. Now, usually it's the one with the most amount of seats, but not always when we had the situation with um, uh, Livni, What's her name?
1: Yeah, Tzipi uh, Livni. Livni. In, uh,
0: Ten she, years ago, she was able to win uh, one seat. One seat uh, more than Bibi, but she couldn't put a coalition together. Exactly. So, the president so what,
1: must, must take into account the possibility, the realistic possibility for forming a coalition, And for Mr. Gantz uh, to form a coalition will be very Very,
0: difficult. Very difficult because let's say he has 31 seats and you have Labour and you have Meretz. You can't do it with the Arab parties. Uh, Meanwhile, on the right side, um, we can't assume that those right-wing parties would automatically follow Netanyahu. Some of them are resentful because he really went against them in the last few days, correct?
1: Well, some of them are resentful, but we still expect most of them to follow Mr. Netanyahu, especially so because, because he was able to show uh, um, once again that he that he is a master politician, that his ability to to manipulate the uh, the Israeli you know public, the perception of the public, is is truly uh, one of a kind, and and I don't think there are many parties willing to. Uh, to oppose Netanyahu in such situation, especially so if their voters expect them to to join a a right-wing coalition. The the only alternative to a right-wing coalition would be a unity government, Uh, but since Blue and White already announced and they committed themselves time and again, uh, and they did it again tonight, never to join a coalition with Netanyahu, Um, In such case, a unity government is not an option, and the only realistic option, again, at this hour of the night, if we believe the exit polls is probably a right-wing religious coalition, very similar to the one that uh, just ended its term.
0: Right, which uh, is concerning for many of us here in America, especially with a new peace plan initiative that's about to be unveiled and this right-wing coalition is, doesn't seem like it would be supportive of such a peace plan. You wrote something in your analysis that we will blast uh, tonight that really intrigued me, which is that if they announced a peace plan early on, then this might force a coalition between Likud and blue and white, because that's really the only coalition That can make a territorial compromise with the palestinians
1: well that is if you assume that the trump plan includes a a, um, compromise that right-wing parties uh, cannot accept Uh, but there is also a possibility that the trump plan will be uh, so favorable to israel will be such a great opportunity for israel that even right-wing parties uh, will agree to join a coalition that accepts the plan in exchange for uh, different uh, for different um, um, promises that uh, Netanyahu made a few uh, days ago, and this is something the people must pay attention to. Netanyahu just a few days ago uh, said for the first time that he is willing to consider the annexation of areas in the West Bank or the annexation of settlements in the next bank.
0: Right. And more than willing to consider. He basically came out with it and said he was going to do it. And I mean, from what I read, it's not just the settlement blocks because he mentioned also outlying settlements are... Well, he, he did not say we'll do it all at once. So so right. it's possible for him to say
1: my goal is to annex all of them, but I will begin with uh, a more uh, mainstream, so to speak, type of annexation. Right. And if he gets the approval um, of the Trump administration for such move in exchange for accepting the Trump plan uh, for peace, uh, then right-wing parties might have a very strong incentive to join a Netanyahu government and
0: accept the Trump peace plan. You know, there's something, I don't want to overstate it, but I don't know, it seems a little earth-shattering to me that it seems that this is going in a direction that officially kills the two-state solution.
1: Well, I, I don't think Netanyahu sees it uh, that way. For for Netanyahu, uh, you know, if you ask him, he'll say, what's the difference between Gush Etzion you know, annexing Gush Etzion and annexing the Golan Heights, which the U.S. administration uh, just recognized uh, is uh, under Israel's sovereignty. If the Golan Heights can be legally annexed by Israel, then Gush Etzion, an area that was under Israeli control in the War of Independence, was captured by the Jordanians in '48, and then Returned, recaptured by Israel in '67. Uh, this is an area that that mainstream Israelis uh, believe will remain under Israeli jurisdiction under any peace plan. So annexing it does not necessarily kill the the two-state solution, but but I agree this this will surely be a controversial move. Uh, this will not be uh, um, approved by uh, many par- parties on the international community, and this is something that will move the ball forward in a direction of um, that is not favorable to a two-state solution in the way that previous uh, prime ministers mm-hmm. or previous generations of diplomats uh, understood this uh, this formulation of. A two state solution.
0: Yeah, because here in America, you know, so many Jews still see this as the ultimate end game that Israel cannot afford not to have if they want to survive as a Jewish democracy. And there's a real sense that the current right wing coalition has really just moved away from it, including Likud. And people were saying Bibi was the only one left. After his famous speech in Tel Aviv during the Obama administration, he was the only one left that appeared to really stick by the two-state solution. And the, the big drama that I see here, Shmuel, is, you know, this, the end of the two-state solution. It's, it's, it's not even hiding anymore when Bibi himself, and I understand what you're saying about only annexing the, the settlement blocks, but there's a sense that regardless— of what bb wants this coalition is just not geared to make any territorial compromises not that the palestinians are ready to make peace either but we have a faith here in america that this should always be hope for a two-state solution and it looks well, like that hope is fading away
1: well i i think in 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 this regard we must separate the you know, the slogan of two-state solution and the reality of a two-state solution. The slogan of a two-state solution can still be used. The reality of a two-state solution uh, is, is very far from, from being realized in, in any way that's similar to the ideas of the of the mid-'90s. Uh, in fact, if you looked at the, at the policy propositions of both Likud and Blue and White, They are pretty much similar in the sense that they both treat the compromise with the Palestinians in a similar manner. They do not speak about a fully independent state that has complete control over uh, vast uh, territory. They both speak about a compromise that will give uh, Palestinians more autonomy in managing their own lives, but that will give Israel the ability to retain control uh, security-wise over the entire West Bank, to retain control over the Jordan Valley and the borders between Israel and uh, its Arab neighbors. So whether you call it a Palestinian state, uh, Netanyahu tends to call it a state minus. Uh, His uh, former partner, Naftali Bennett of the new right, calls it, an autonomy plus, uh, whatever name you want to call it, this will not be a state in the full meaning of the term and, and not even blue and white or not even the labor party currently preach for a full fledged Palestinian state. They don't see a partner for such venture at this time.
0: Yeah. I guess here we're so much focused on, on outcome. That's why I was just really fascinated by a piece I read this week by our friend in common, Mika Goodman, on shrinking the conflict. And you know, he's a philosopher, and he he he, he, he sees that this is not something that can be solved right now. Yeah. yeah, Mika is a good friend, and you know
1: what he what he speaks about is about yeah shrinking, shrinking the conflict or or making the conflict less noticeable to the people who must live it Uh, the resolving of the conflict the solution to the conflict is is far into the future and and no realistic observer uh, assumes that a two-state solution is likely to emerge in the near future
0: you know I, I was at an event with Jason Greenblatt last night on a panel and we spoke and obviously he didn't divulge Anything on the plan, but they're really—I uh, don't know what the word is—they've spent so much time working on this, and they think there's going to be, you know, compromises on both sides. But they really feel that at the street level, at the level of the people, the Palestinian people, especially, and you know, Israelis, that they have figured out sort of the sweet spot that could really move forward. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting. To see what happens with that, but simultaneously, I mean, Micha Goodman had a few bestsellers. He's read in the Knesset. He's really high up now, and I'm wondering if can his approach gain traction regardless of who's in power. Uh, I I think it it can because it speaks to the
1: fact that uh, um, Israelis don't see much uh, of an opportunity. Uh, to resolve the conflict with the Palestinians, the Palestinians already already rejected the, the Trump plan, even though they didn't yet see it. Uh, so the only thing that we can do is to reduce the level of of conflict, of of uh, you know, to, to reduce the level of suffering on both sides, and this basically means uh, as much separation as possible between. Uh, Israelis and Palestinians you can you can uh, you can pave new roads in the West Bank you can look for uh, different arrangements that will make it easier for Palestinians to move around and to really control their own day-to-day life uh, without compromising on the security of Israelis both Israelis who live who reside in the West Bank and Israelis who uh, live uh, uh, inside uh, of Israel. So such approach can gain some traction and can be at least, uh, you know, can be, you, you can ignite in conversation around such plan much more so than around the plan to uh, to have a pipe dream type uh, Palestinian state that no one can see.
0: I mean, if there's a silver lining here, it's the elimination of any false hopes, which is sort of a hard-nosed reality. And, and,
1: and, and, possibly, and possibly, you know, the, the, um, the insistence of Israel on the, on the possibility that time is on our side. Uh, you know, it, it's, been, it's been a long time cliche for Palestinians to think that time is on their side and that all they have to do is wait for better circumstances to emerge at which Israel will have to make compromise, will have to accept uh, things that it wasn't willing to accept. But as we move on with time, and it's been f- more than 50 years since the uh, uh, since Israel captured the, uh, the area of the West Bank and the Golan Heights, what we see is that Israel gains time and again, more and more territory, more and more traction. And I think the the plan of the Trump administration is going to demonstrate to the Arab side that waiting does not necessarily mean gaining. Uh, waiting m- might be a dangerous thing for them to do because uh, the more they wait, the more Israel uh, becomes strong and prosperous
0: and can guarantee even more success in the future. Now, I heard something different on Friday. I was with uh, Peter Beinart at a panel on USC uh, here in L.A. And, I, you know, we were talking about the conflict. I said, well, "What can, what can break? He says, well, if the Palestinian Authority unravels, if they crumble, if they collapse— he said that might be something that puts a gun to Israel's head because all of a sudden Israel would be responsible for 2.8 million Palestinians. Is there any merit to that? There is
1: merit to that. That's one of the scenarios that Israel does not want to see materialize. Uh, so Israel will have to, uh, to maneuver in a delicate way um, to, on the one hand, preserve the ability of... Uh, Palestinian authority to to have enough control of the territory and to have enough incentive to maintain this control, and on the other hand, not to let a Palestinian authority become uh, too strong uh, to the extent that it can uh, demand uh, compromises from Israel that Israel does not want to uh, does not want to to agree to. Um, I, I do not dismiss. The possibility of catastrophe in the West Bank, if the Palestinian uh, Authority dismantles itself, if there is a breakout of uh, of violence, there there are different scenarios that will not be beneficiary for Israel if they occur. Uh, nevertheless, again, Israel already faced uh, first and second intifada and was able to recover. Israel already faced different phases of uh, negotiations with the Palestinians and different pressures uh, on Israel to compromise. And up until now, Israel proved time and again that it can withstand these pressures and emerge uh, not weakened, but rather uh, even more powerful. So I would urge the other side to also look at the option that, you know, keep waiting for the ultimate solution, keep waiting for Israel to agree to all uh, demands of of the Palestinians or of the Arabs uh, could be a futile action on Mm -hmm. on their part, that there might might be a better possibility for them, which is to also accept the Trump peace plan and begin moving forward towards better life.
0: Yeah, one of the things that Jason Greenblatt said last night, he said no matter what Israelis think or no matter what we think in terms of a a solution being so distant, he said everywhere he goes around the world, it's the number one subject of conversation. Whenever, Whenever he meets leaders or diplomats, he said for better or for worse, there's something beguiling about this conflict and it was really interesting for him to to say that and it's kind of a, a a thing that never goes away regardless of how difficult a solution is and i think at some point israelis are going to have to sort of confront that hard reality
1: well israelis uh, might need to confront the reality but they cannot do it uh, alone uh, right. there is there is a, a, another side to this conflict and, and, you know, the fact that both sides want to have peace on their own terms mm-hmm. is, you know, is, is not a recipe for, uh, for a solution. We should credit the Trump administration, and I know that some of your listeners uh, are probably not huge fans of the Trump administration. Nevertheless, we should credit the Trump administration for their willingness to think out of the box on this conflict and, in general, on some issues uh, concerning the Middle East. Uh, the recent uh, decision to um, recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights is uh, one great example of such thinking out of the box. Um, I think that this shows that, you know, this the game of waiting is not always beneficial for the arab side the syrians could sign a peace agreement with israel many years ago they decided to keep waiting in the hope that they will ultimately get everything and the result might be that they will get nothing
0: well one thing he did say shmuel last night was the idea of perpetuating the um refugees Um, whether it's in, you know, the West Bank or Lebanon or Jordan. So he, he did mention, I mean, he gave us hints of what's in that peace plan. And I mean, he calls it a vision. And part of that vision, it seems to me, is to do something about this sort of permanent status of millions of Palestinian refugees, which nobody really has had the courage to take on. So these kind of things have just could have lingered and lingered and nobody's really said the hard truths
1: right and we know that one of the things that the Trump administration wanted uh, some of the Arab countries to do is to absorb these uh, they're not even Palestinian refugees these are the grandsons and granddaughters uh, third fourth generation of, of refugees uh, to absorb these people, make them uh, full citizens and, you know, make them forget about this uh, pipe dream notion of ever going back to uh, a country that no longer exists. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah uh, it, it, in, in a way you got pipe dream versus pipe dream, you know, so that's their pipe dream. And there's a pipe dream among the right wing that we can keep all of the West Bank and still remain a democracy which is both sides need to face the reality
1: well well i i think in israel at least the mainstream parties understand that israel cannot absorb all palestinians in the west bank and make them uh, full citizens if israel is to remain a jewish state and hence uh, most israelis understand that some type of self-rule will have to be given to the Palestinians in the West Bank. Uh, The the only question is whether we can do this without risking ourselves, risking uh, our own security, and this is what Israelis are looking for, to let the Palestinians control themselves without risking uh, Israel's security
0: so shmuel you haven't slept much uh last couple of days i'm sure drank a lot of coffee you're probably not going to sleep what is it 2 a.m there it's uh, uh
1: it's 1 30 i'll yeah i'll probably go to sleep uh, soon <laughs> and what's the mood
0: what's the mood like now in israel i mean um you know it's going to be what a lot of disappointment a lot of celebration just like every election well we, there's
1: probably going to be some disappointment on the uh on the left of center part of Israel, because they're, you know,
0: they're tired of BB.
1: The right of center camp was able to, to pull it off again and and gain uh, another uh, victory. There are some parties, you know, that, that will need a serious uh, soul searching among which uh, the labor party, you know, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the most significant parties in Israel's history The Labour Party uh, suffered a major blow. uh, Tonight, it's going to have maybe six or seven or eight seats in the in the next Parliament. It's becoming an almost insignificant party. So some parties are going to be very highly disappointed. Some parties will celebrate, and you know tomorrow morning uh, we'll go back to the business of forming a coalition. People must understand, unlike the United States, when election night is the one and only event during an election cycle that is important, uh, in our system, you have election night, and then we begin a second cycle, the cycle of forming a coalition. This can take many weeks, so uh, this game is not yet over.
0: Right. So that's what we can expect to see. I mean, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but it seems to me you got two big blocks and one of them's called fear and the other one's called hope. And the situation is so difficult, I guess, in the Middle East that the block of fear has grown over the years and led by a master of fear. And the block of hope has kind of shrunk, and the blue and white has kind of tried to bring it back. And to their credit, within a few months, they became a major party, which is quite an accomplishment. But it seems that at the end of the day, when you see the, the civil war in Syria and the Hezbollah and Hamas and Iran and all these kind of physical threats, it, it seems to determine the, the mood in Israel and, and the growth of the fear block.
1: Well, I, I agree with you that blue and white deserve a lot of credit for, you know, doing the almost impossible. They formed a, a party within two three months and were able to to get a significant number of seats. Uh, possibly the higher highest number of seats since uh, uh, two thousand three, since Ariel Sharon was the head of Likud. So it's been a long time since a party uh, was able to. To put together a list that uh, is able to gain so many seats, uh, but you know your your um, decision to call these two camps, you know, one of uh, the camp of fear and the camp camp of hope, is only uh, one option. There are other options such as calling it a camp of realists versus a camp of uh, of dreamers mm. or a camp of of uh, people who truly understand the challenges versus the camp of people uh, who are not uh, really realistic about Mm. uh, the possibilities so you know it depends on on where you stand
0: yeah yeah i mean you can call a lot of those right-wing coalition members dreamers and the ones in blue and white for me seem like the more realist but you know It is what it is, and uh, we're going to keep an eye on what's going to happen over the next week or two. I invite all listeners to check in on jewishjournal.com tonight. You will see Shmuel Rosner's detailed initial preliminary analysis. And Shmuel, you'll be posting every day, I'm sure.
1: Yes, we have this feature called Israel's Election Handbook, and we are going to keep it alive for the next couple of weeks
0: until until Israel has a, a new government. Okay, we'll keep an eye out. Thank you so much, Mool, for coming in, middle of the night. Really appreciate it. Bye. Take care.